Welcome to the 30 Pause Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Clark. On this podcast, myself and a few guests along the way are here to help you navigate what it's really like riding the roller coaster of emotions through that third decade of life. We're here to laugh at ourselves, live our truth, to inform, be fabulous, darlings. So thank you for joining and hop on the roller coaster of emotions and be sure to hold on to your nipples because we're about to enter 30 Pause. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to the 30 Paws Podcast. Thanks so much for joining. Um, I have had such a tiring week and I don't know what this new moon and Virgo brought to us as a collective, but for me, and I speak for me only, I'm exhausted, you guys. I'm just completely just like depleted. I'm can only give so much of my energy to others. I was falling asleep these past two nights, like, in bed, 8 p.m., like, just zonked and just so, so unbelievably tired. And I also have been thinking, well, just go to bed, take a nap, girl. And I've I've been doing that. I've just been resting. I don't know about you guys, but I've just really been really taking care of myself, resting, you know, drinking water, and just kind of having more of those, like, restful, sober weeks where, you know, I'm – it's really important for me to, like, feel my feels um, with a clear mind and a clear head and have myself really – not negate the feelings like I used to and push them down (laughs) for me they have been coming up with a vengeance so I'm just really trying to just like feel the feels you know I've said this multiple times on this podcast before but I'm actually taking my own advice and 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 I'm doing it so um if you're feeling that way too I am there with you I stand there with you We're going to hold on to our nipples and we're going to get through this together because this too shall pass. Life is an ebb and flow. We live in that flux. So, I mean, that's where I'm at. Just kind of wanted to be really honest with you. I wanted to also get on here today and talk to you about all the careers I've had as a a 30-something, as a millennial of today. Um, I've gotten criticized for it often that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm used to that a little bit. I'm used to the judgment, but at the same time, I love the fact that I am so diverse. I love that in me. I love the fact that I have, let's see, I have worked in the marketing space as direct mail marketing. That was one of my first jobs that I ever got out of college. Um, and I was essentially for, you know, a lack of better words, I was a scheduler. I scheduled sales call for the, for the sales team. So I, that's where I developed a lot of, um, say the business jargon. Um, and then I got into, uh, you know, higher education, uh, advising and recruiting, which was all really essentially, um, at a at a call center because that's the time I lived in Tampa and it was just like it's the call center mecca let's be freaking real and I was you know essentially at that time in that day this was before a lot of laws were getting put on um, higher education and recruiting um, people or getting people to enroll I was an enrollment advisor um, for regionally accredited programs of course Um, but I was really good at that kind of sales aspect. I was, um, essentially, um, my niche was my little knack or my little trick was kindly telling people what to do and it worked and it worked and I was successful at it, but 
I knew I was just, I was, I needed to get the hell out of that office. I was bigger. I was better. I had more great things. So on my horizon. So I then, um, applied and got my teaching certificate uh, in the state of Florida and I was a middle school English teacher from 2013 to 2015 in the academic space. Um, Before that though, sorry I have traffic right here, Um, if you heard that. Before that though, I um, always, you know, missed theater so much. I missed, you know, being in that rehearsal space and And so I applied as a uh, middle school girls um, education manager at a a small theater in Tampa, uh, Power Stories Theater, and I ran the Girls Stories Leadership Theater program for five years. And it has been some of the most fulfilling work I have ever done in my life, and I absolutely loved it. And I just thought, wow, this is perfect because they need me full time in the summer because we did summer intensives. So... I was teaching academics, obviously, during the school year and then the summer intensive. And it was and it was great. And um, being that I was just a natural writer, I you know, that was my niche. Um, I was able to, you know, be an English teacher um, and a middle school English teacher. And I was pretty darn good one at that. I have to say I it was hard at middle school is the hardest uh, age you can teach. Absolutely. Everybody was like, holy crap, you taught middle school. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Yes, I taught middle school, but you know what? Those kids are just needing to be heard and respected and I just got them and they got me and that was my age group for sure. Um, very fulfilling, but at the same time, education, academia is especially public education is extremely draining um they they supported me as much as I possibly could but at the same time it was literally those moments where you're just like I I was my first year of teaching I remember middle school in Florida at that time they they got out a little later and I remember being and getting home around 4 30 on Friday nights and I slept, there was a handful of times that I slept throughout the entire night until I woke up Saturday morning. It just, it drains you. It, you have a constant, like, energy depletion level. And I remember I was in uh, the break room, the teacher's lounge. And if you watch Abbott Elementary, it's very, very accurate must I say um and especially if you're a you know a public school teacher in Philadelphia you're gonna really get a kick out of it but I highly recommend Abbott Elementary in general um but it was just not getting enough support and it I was in the teacher lounge and I just remember looking around at these you know long tenured teachers and I just thought I don't want to be you when I grow up and I don't want to be you when I grow up and I don't want to be you when I grow up. And I don't think I want to do this. And I felt like such a fail- failure. I was just like, God, can you just pick a job and stick to it? Can you just fucking figure it out, Heather? Like, And I was going through a lot at that time, too. So, you know, I was having to take this um, teaching certification. It was a math portion that I kept failing. Um, it was just, I was had going through a breakup like it was just a lot 2015 2016 was a lot for your girl um a lot of growth so I continued to still teach in that you know that theater program um and I tried it you know subbing and I was bartending and I was doing this that and the other but I really didn't you know nail a really fantastic job until I started working at the performing arts center in Tampa and it just took all of my performing arts and theater dance knowledge plus my academia um, and education you know background and experience and it morphed into this amazing um, program that I got to you know um, 
manage and run with uh with my boss and her and I we just clicked so well and we got along so well and she understood me and it was fantastic and I absolutely loved that job in a lot of ways but unfortunately nonprofits are only going to pay you so much they're only going to allow you to move up so much I was trying to get into different um, departments, marketing, you know, anything I could actually just do to see so I could level up so I could make more money. So I wasn't constantly working two, three, four jobs at a time. And I honestly, guys, I was just feeling so depleted and I was just going through the motions and I wasn't living life anymore. And essentially I wasn't really loving myself as much as I used to. And that had a you know a lot to do with my deciding factor of moving back here to Indiana and being closer to family and kind of just I needed a reset you know I talk about this a lot in season one and if you haven't listened to it you know there there are episodes just you know keep scrolling but there was a lot of personal stuff that I was going through that also was affecting my professional life because I am very um, career and work driven. Um, I love that about myself. You know, I'm always going to be that kind of person who loves to work. I do. I do. I love, I love to work on things that I'm passionate about and that I care about. This podcast is my baby. I love doing this. I love talking to you guys and I love, um, interviewing people and just kind of getting to know, um, this space, which I'm so incredibly thankful for. But, you know, moving back here also, I felt, oh, my God, I'm such a failure. I can't get this job. I, I, I applied for other theaters locally here. I wasn't getting hired. Thankfully, I always had, you know, bartending and serving to fall back on. And then, you know, a few months later, the world shut down. And so I took the jobs that were being presented to me. We were all really scared in that moment with COVID and so unsure and I just thought I need I need to find work I need to find work I need to find work well my first job um, real job getting back here was uh, a criminal paralegal and I did that for six seven months I learned so much um, within that job I learned that I in fact did not want to be a lawyer (laughs) I definitely tooled with that idea uh, post undergrad about, you know, considering, you know, being an attorney, um, but then that having that job solidified, no, I do not want to be an attorney. Um, Of course, people who are attorneys and love it, good for them, that's their calling, it's not my journey. So I was a criminal player, legal, and unfortunately with that that, um, job, I just wasn't able to make more money, there was no health benefits offered, Um, and it was just kind of a placeholder. And I'm grateful for that opportunity, but when a new opportunity came, I took it. And I worked at a escrow um, title insurance company and escrow real estate. And I can confidently say because of that experience that I know exactly what I'm going to be walking into in the home buying process. Um, I learned an immense amount of information, legal information, title insurance, let me tell y'all guys, is very complex. From state to state, it differs, but some states do require escrow officers to be attorneys. Um, You have to be an attorney if you are an escrow officer. They kind of like go hand in hand. The state of Indiana did not. um, And I was an escrow officer, and I was doggy paddling in deep seas for over a year. I mean, the job that was probably, I would say beyond teaching, that was probably one of the most stressful that was. It definitely was. It was the most stressful job I ever had. Um, I had poor training. Um, I didn't really have leadership and guidance. It was all very kind of willy-nilly. And I just knew I couldn't do it. I just, it was killing me. I was just so unbelievably unfulfilled. And I just was like, what the hell? You know, what am I going to do? 
So then thankfully, you know, I'm in this position that I am now. I work for a national plastic surgery company, um, a patient uh, care coordinator. Um, you know, it's just me and my colleague in our office. So we're a two-man show. Um, I like this company because I have support. Um, they have, you know, development. Um, they're open to my ideas. Um, I see myself, you know, growing in that space should I feel like this is really going to be, like, my path. Um, I think my real passion, my real, my real niche is podcasting and being an entertainer and, um, you know, a host and, you know, an actor. And that is my home. That's, that's where I'm most comfortable with. But that's my job history. Essentially, I went from marketing to sales, to education, to arts administration, management, uh, to criminal, paralegal, so law, and then title insurance, and now I'm in healthcare. So needless to say, your girls had a job or two. <laughs> um, I always have jobs. Um, I always will, you know, I don't think I'll ever not bartend. Um, well, hopefully one day I will completely stop, but you know, I, I do that on the side still. Um, but I, I'm proud of my journey because it shows resilience, adaptability. I'm a strong communicator. Um, I'm a very quick learner. I take direction well. And for that, I have known so many, you know, industry experts that can't even do three of those things that I just named off well and not as well as me and I and I say that in the most humble way I say that confidently because I know myself so freaking well so I just wanted to share that before I introduce our next the next guest here I always say our I always have these our and and we statements just to remind y'all 30 pause is a one woman show (laughs) There is no hour. There is no we. The only we is me and you, the listener, okay? Uh, but I want to introduce the next guest, Coach Walina. I um, connected with her through um, uh, her brother, who is one of my really good friends, Brian. I just started following her on Instagram. I hope you guys enjoy this interview. What she has to say, what she does, what she brings to this world is so valuable. And if you are feeling like you're in a career rut or a job rut, however you want to say it, this is the episode for you. So take a listen. Say welcome to 30 Paws. I mean, this is a podcast really for any millennial or 30 something um, that is really entering different phases in their life and wanting to grow and evolve and get better and learn from our mistakes. And so it's just a little bit of everything. But I just think that what you bring to the table is just so valuable. Um, And I just really wanted to kind of hone in on what is it that you do so we can just essentially just kind of tell us about yourself what you offer as a career strategist, what is a career strategist? Mm-hmm. So I am Coach Melina. I am an executive leadership coach, and I help uh, companies kind of hone in on their uh, leadership approach to scale business. Uh, through executive coaching, there is a um, piece of growth that people don't realize you have access to uh, in your career, uh, sometimes by just um, extending out a little bit of knowledge from someone else or receiving a little bit of knowledge um, Mm -hmm. externally. Uh, I've been in the coaching space for a number of years. Uh, I'm also a talent acquisition professional. So uh, I I utilize all of the skills I've gathered over the years to create, um, I guess, uh, an opportunity for um, people to best put themselves, put their best foot forward in their career. Awesome. As I've been in the talent acquisition space for so long, I see firsthand the mistakes that people are making. And I was realizing, oh, I got to stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, you're missing out on fantastic opportunities simply because you weren't 
adequately prepared. And so that's where the kind of the coaching um, came into play and in, in probably preparing my candidates for opportunities and then um, extending that out to creating opportunities for people that aren't my candidates, but clients who are looking to, you know, transition into other opportunities as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I admire most is not only just your consistency with your, your lives and just the offering of free information all the time um, and who you bring into uh, your lives and your guests and things like that. Um, but with with Ladder Talk Live and knowing that it's expanding beyond just, I think a lot of times that um, next job and more of like getting into one's career and understanding that you can have something super niche or it could be something as wide range as, you know, um, tech in general, you know what I mean? So I think that's just really fantastic. I really enjoyed today's live, uh, ladder, live talk. Am I saying that correctly? Ladder, ladder talk live. Yeah. Ladder talk live. Okay. (laughs) Um, so I really enjoyed today's because I think, you know, engaging, um, you know, your audience with just social media in general is so important, but companies and understanding that company, it's the value of companies. I'm seeing it all across LinkedIn now too. Um, so coach Rocky, um, Mm -hmm. she was just very informative and they're great. It's I'm working as I'm listening, you know, like it's, it's a really just, um, an insightful, uh, thing that you have, have created and, I wanted you on because I want more people to know about it. And I think it's very valuable. Um, what inspired you to start your own venture with, with Ladder Talk Live and as a career strategist on top of your own career as, you know, a talent acquisition specialist? Yeah. So I am a strong advocate for podcasts. I It's how I digest knowledge and much as information as possible, but I wasn't always like this. I thought podcasts were for old people mm-hmm. and I thought it was for old white people. I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. And I envisioned them not looking at all like me mm-hmm. until I started seeing through Instagram. Well, it's not just for older people. <laughs> you know, yeah. there are podcasts that are uh, towards my genre, towards my age range, towards my interest. And as I started to see, you know, learning from all these podcasts. And and I listen to a very wide range of podcasts. I listen to stock podcasts, to entrepreneurship podcasts, to real estate podcasts on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to create a space where people could learn because what I wasn't seeing was a, a lifestyle podcast geared towards professionals looking to expand in their career, expand in their life and, and mm-hmm. learn from that. So sometimes you just have to create what you don't see. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I have just been more consistently doing it, you know, for the past, you know, uh, several months now, and it's just started kind of taking off, you know, and uh, now people are, you know, wanting to sign up to be on the podcast. I just put a, a, a call out for people to join the podcast, which has gotten a lot of um, feedback and interest. So it's, it's going places and I'm excited to continue to share the word to help people become their best versions of themselves in their career. My, my motto is in general, I help everyday people live extraordinary lives. And a lot of times people think, oh, I'm already living this extraordinary life, but are you really, does it just sound good? Or are you on that journey to get there? This podcast will help you support you on your journey. And and we're going to walk all the way through it together. I love that because here at 30 Pause, I'm always talking about growth. I mean, it's the reason why I even started this podcast really was because of my own um, personal growth and what I was, you know, dealing with, um, you know, internally and um, just, you know, sharing my stories and sharing, um, you know, my mistakes um, and kind of, you know, inviting people to kind of take, um a deeper look into their own personal development all the while, you know, laughing at ourselves and, you know, giggling along the way. I think that's just something that, um, we both share. We kind of saw something that a space we didn't really see and we were like, okay, well let's create it. And I love that. Absolutely love that about you. Um, what do you feel is like the biggest thing you mentioned earlier about mistakes? Um, so I kind of wanted to go off of that. What do you think is 
probably one of the biggest mistakes people are making that hiring managers aren't calling them for interview number two. Say they have the, the resume and the cover letter or what have you, and it got them the interview, but then they never kind of went to that next interview. What was What's kind of some common things that you see and or hear people do? So if you are getting past the first step, which is the recruiter, mm-hmm. uh, seeing your resume, they like what they see, they, they bring you in for a conversation, but you can't get past the hiring manager. It's typically because you're not representing yourself well in words. What you say on your resume mm-hmm. is not matching up to the things you're saying in your interview. A lot of people, um, I just literally just got off of a client call um, a minute ago, a sales call that is now a client Mm -hmm. and she is in a place where she is not sure how to show up as herself. She doesn't know who she is. Yeah. Right. You, you, you can research and Google as much as you can possibly Google and research and have the most perfect resume known to man. But if you get into that interview and you don't represent yourself well, and I don't just mean look pretty and, you know, articulate, I'm not even talking about that. I mean, how you answer your questions tells me what level you truly are. Mm-hmm. This is what I coach my clients on where they think, you know, or what I've seen, I'll, I'll answer your question from what I've seen is a person will put, I'm a director of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And then we interview them, but the way they're answering the questions is not from the perspective of a director. It might be from a perspective of a supervisor. There's a difference between the way a director is going to answer a question and the way a supervisor is going to answer a question. That's what's important. That's kind of what I teach in my in my program is how to articulate yourself for the job you want, not the job you have. You can't continue answering the question the same way you would for the job you already have, especially if it's a title change or a level up. You need to figure out how to articulate it so that it makes sense from a manager to a manager now or a director to director. So that's the biggest mistake. That's the common denominator. If you are making it past the resume, past the recruiter, but stopping at the hiring manager, it's you. It's something you're saying that's not right. I'm confident in saying it with a smile on my face that it's you because it can be fixed. Everything can Mm -hmm. be trained, right? Mm -hmm. There's a way out. Um, You just have to be willing to now embrace that. Hey, it is me. And I'm okay with that. I'm willing to learn. I can change what I say there's going to be more opportunities because your resume is good if you keep getting calls. So you'll have to have a chance to, to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have been offering resume and cover letter services for the past few years. I don't pimp myself out probably not nearly as much as I should. Um, but at the same time, I literally started doing it because of mistakes that I made while trying to find jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, um, just speaking with my own network and, and understanding what they were looking for. And, you know, I have just a knack for, you know, writing. I've always just been, uh, writing has become easily to me. Math was never an easy thing for me. <laughs> I was like, you know, you're one, you're good at one or the other. If you're good at great, then, you know, you're a unicorn. But, um, <laughs> um, so that, that's kind of how I got into, into that, that, um, that lane, how important is that resume and cover letter? Because I have been in multiple situations where as a, as a hiring manager, I have, um, this is in the world of, you know, art and teaching that it's really about, you know, who, you know, and their experience and so forth and so on. But then they come to me and I'm like, cool, send me your resume and cover letter. Like, I don't, gosh, I haven't made a resume in a really long time. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? You always have to always have a fresh, always have it updated, you know? And, and so that's kind of the space that I was coming from. And just in regards to folks either not having one, or it's just like, so unbelievably wordy. And I'm like, you know, one's going to read this, you know? Right, right. So, um, you know, a, how obviously the impo- the importance of a resume and cover letter are key, but what are some, you know, some common mistakes you're seeing just in that very first step of the resume and cover letter? I'm going to be honest. I don't read cover letters mm-hmm. as I, in my job, mm-hmm. in my day, day in the life of my job. Mm-hmm. We really don't read cover letters. 
cover letters are typically for the hiring manager. So if I'm I'm a hiring manager for a position, I might read it. Um, maybe the hiring manager uses it, but I'm just gonna. They are becoming dated nowadays. Okay. It also depends okay. on the industry. Yeah, here I'm in the tech space, so depends on the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, now, from a resume perspective, it is very important. You know, especially if you're applying, right? It, it, this is your calling card. Pe- people need to know what you do to be able to reach out to you for opportunities. Um, however, the biggest mistake people that people are making is, like you said, it, it's too wordy. I'm not going to read a five-page resume. Yeah. Just not. I don't want to. I don't have to. <laughs> right? And so for me, I you need to figure out how to put it into two pages and call it a day. Yeah. Two pages. And a lot of times that is an argument. Is it one page? Is it two pages? If you've got five years or less, one page is enough. Okay. If you've got five plus years, two pages. Gotcha. And okay. so a lot of times also I've mentioned um, before just within uh, people just doing different industry cover letters and things like that, just kind of getting my own research in, especially if it's an industry that I'm not familiar with or I've mm-hmm. never really worked in. Um, I've found a lot of times, especially with sales, um, folks or people who are, are definitely performance driven, um, in that aspect that just showing data numbers and your impact and that, you know, top, top, um, sales, every, you know, top 10 salesperson, every quarter, um, uh, 97% close rate. Like they want to see data and they want to see your impact on what you did in your previous position. Um, what else would be impactful or to show them that you are an impactful, um, asset to the company? Should they, should they hire you? There's really nothing else. Quantitative results are, are the key metric that people want to see. They want to see consistency, uh, of that throughout the period of, of your career, because they're, they're anticipating based on your history will dictate your future. If you were a top 10, you know, salesperson, you'll likely continue to be a top 10 percent, you know, mm-hmm. so that's why it's important to provide quantitative data. Make sure you're getting to the point faster in terms of telling your story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people think, well, I've got to give all this detail and I got to give all this information. But then you are you're sharing so much information. It's like, well, what do they need to call you for? Mm. You've, ne- you've left them nothing to wonder about. Okay. Right. You've sometimes you self self um, select yourself out of an opportunity because you've told them way too much all at once versus the objective of a, of a resume, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, is to entice a recruiter or a hiring manager enough for them to want to pick up the phone. Because they need to get a feel for you. But if you tell them your entire life story, some people want to go back 40, 50 years on their resume. It's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It, it's irrelevant. So leave, leave some guesswork, uh, there and, and less is more as long as you're also adding that quantitative approach. Absolutely. Um, you have a really fantastic program and course that people that you offer. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how that's going to help them with their hiring process? Yeah. So for the audience of 30 pause, I have a 30 day boot camp. And it's designed to create a foundation for your career that can last a lifetime. I'm teaching you exactly how to formulate your resume, your LinkedIn profile, how to allow your LinkedIn to do all the work for you. Mm. I had a client today um, who's currently in my program and she's like, "Uh, Coach Walina, this uh, person reached out to me about a job, but I thought it was fake because I didn't apply to the job. And I was like, that's the whole point of this program. I told you, you're going to be a recruiter magnet. People are coming for you because you're starting to, you know, apply the things that I'm teaching you. So my objective is to, is to get more work with teaching people to do less work, right? I want you to have more opportunities with doing less work. And uh, I'm teaching clients in a 30 day period, how to negotiate. Some people go through their entire life, never having actually negotiated a Mm. job offer. Mm. that stops with me. Yeah. I'm teaching you exactly how to do it. We do mock interview sessions because sometimes people will go through programs or think they know everything according to Google, but when it's time to go live, they freeze. They choke. They yeah. choke. 
Mm-hmm. So you've got to get your practice in. So in the program, it's a community. So we work together as a cohesive unit where we're teaching each other. We're learning from each other. You, you're partnering up with each other to learn from each other's mistakes. I'm teaching you from the inside out. What, what is a recruiter looking for? What is a hiring manager looking for? Why are they looking that way? So now you understand what it is you need to show them to, to perform and get those opportunities and then how to appropriately show up still being your authentic self, but leveling yourself up for, for better opportunities, more, more impact, more compensation, more, 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 more. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, that's what they're getting in that 30 day program is that complete transformation from how does my resume look? No one's calling me on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't get past the hiring manager interview to new job in 30 days. Yes. Awesome. I love that. Not only do I feel like that is honestly invaluable, but I have, um, been talking about with just my friends and to the audience, you know, um, to, with how important it is to invest in yourself. Um, so take that course, go to that, you know, um, expo or, you know, get that mentor or there's so much personal development that, there's so much professional development off that you need to be doing that it can't, it can't help but leak into your own personal development too. Right. Mm -hmm. It always goes hand in hand. So I think that's so huge and it's so important for us to continue. Um, One of my mentors says, this is earth school. We're here to learn the entire time we're here. We're learning, we're growing, Mm -hmm. we're getting, we're, we're needing to get better you know, the rest of the, you know, the rest of the people are stagnant. Okay. But if you're wanting that, you have that desire, then, then welcome to earth school. This is, this is what we do. This is what we're here for. And I absolutely love that. You mentioned, um, how people can go their whole careers and not negotiating their salaries, which is bonkers to me because I used to be that person too. I used to be like, Oh, this is what they offer. And this is all they get. I think women, um, are especially, uh, timid to negotiate their salaries. Um, because we get paid obviously a lot less than men. And so we just kind of take it. And so I absolutely love that you mentioned it, which is kind of segueing to my next question that you're saying that, everything. Do you believe everything's negotiable in the hiring process? I have heard, you know, oh, this is such a great job, but they're just real sticklers with that vacation time or they're real, they're not moving past that. Do you believe everything is negotiable? I think for me, everything is negotiable. I teach that everything is negotiable. Now there are companies that do not negotiate. Mm -hmm. There are levels that do not negotiate. But the higher you go in your career, the more flex you receive. Okay. So you don't know until you ask, mm-hmm. right? The worst they could say is no. But sometimes negotiation isn't just the offer salary amount. It could be that t- time off. It could yeah. be um, training and development. It could be uh, reevaluating in six months performance merit increases. It, you know, it could be a bunch of different things. Right. You you can cre- create what it needs to be for you. You have to identify where does your employer stand on it. And if you have been in a, a job five plus years and you've settled for three percent in increases, you've given yourself. You've you've uh, what's the word I want to use? You have put yourself out there at a discount. If you've been at your company for five years and they've only given you a 3% increase every year, if that three to 5%, right? you are now giving yourself out as a discount because now you're underpaid Yeah, because for every company, and I'm not saying you should leave every, um, every year, definitely not saying that at all because job happiness is not a good thing sometimes either, mm-hmm. but uh, you're leaving maybe 10, $20,000 minimum on the table every year. And let's double that. If you continue to stay past five years, you're, you're just constantly giving yourself, you're giving your time at a discounted rate if you stay too long. Yeah. Um, and, and if you don't, if you're not negotiating that, you're just saying, it's okay, I'm, I'm going to give you my time at a discount and you're never going to get that time back. So. Absolutely. And time is so valuable and understanding your own value. I mean, gosh, that's been 
so many different episodes of 30 pods and different, you know, obviously spectrums of, of the conversation, but it, it leaks into this too, like knowing, understanding your value, knowing how impactful you can be and that you're worth it. And I think that's something I've had to really learn the hard way. Um, but at the same time, I thank God I've, I've learned to kind of course corrected and been like, all right, now, now I'm going back with this number. Cause I'm worth that, you know? And I absolutely love that. You also mentioned how vital LinkedIn is and with social media, it's, you know, LinkedIn, I think we first, when we all first kind of hopped on it 10-ish years ago <laughs> or so, you know, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just post my resume on here. And it was kind of just a wash, you know, who, who really checked their LinkedIn. That's how I kind of viewed it in the past, you know, 10 years ago or so. But now LinkedIn has changed. It's done, it's done an, an absolute like 180 and I also see that the LinkedIn space is wanting more personality, more personal stories, um, more humanness mm-hmm. in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about just if they're first getting started with LinkedIn or what they need to do to kind of just obviously just create the profile, but then what? I mean, make the connection, DM people? I mean, what are, what are they, what's the next step for them? A lot of people feel like they compare LinkedIn to a Facebook or an Instagram. It's not the same. It's just not the same. So don't be afraid that, oh, I don't want to post all my personal drama or my meal of the day and all that other stuff. Trust me, we don't want to see it. Okay. (laughs) Um, So you don't have to think of it that way. You need to think of it as a professional networking site of 80 million people, majority of them are talent acquisition professionals who are looking to hire you. Mm-hmm. The sooner you get there and connect, the first thing I would encourage you to do, obviously, after creating the profile is connect with people. Hit that connect button, connect with recruiters, connect with people with your same title, connect with people that have the title you want at the company you want. Mm-hmm. You need to create your ecosystem. LinkedIn is based on first, second, and third degree connections. You need to be more connected to people to be sought after. Keep in mind, if there are 80 million people on LinkedIn and I'm doing a basic search for, let's say, a sales manager or a sales director, how many other people do you assume have the same title as sales director? Mm -hmm. If you are not putting enough information on your profile, you're doing yourself a disservice. A lot of people We'll just put the information on their LinkedIn, just the title, just the dates, see ya. You don't tell me what you're actually doing. You don't tell me the quantitative results you're receiving. You don't tell me your story. You don't tell me anything. You just like leave me to guess. Mm. Now, you don't want me to have to guess because if I have to guess, then I'm not going to reach out to you, right? So if, if you're going to be on there, be intentional about it. Be a thought leader in the space. Engage with other people's posts create your own content. LinkedIn rewards you by performing on their platform, meaning posting content of your own, sharing content, liking content, engaging with one another. They reward you by putting your profile higher up in the algorithm based on you being more active on the site. Don't just come on LinkedIn and being a lurker. (laughs) scroll it around. All right. You know, I need to be there and be present. Don't, don't be a fly on the wall. Nobody wants that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That would be my advice. Absolutely. Um, what's the best advice you'd give someone who wants to break into a new field, but doesn't really have the experience, but maybe has the soft skills, but knowing they're like, I'm a, I could be so good at this. I just know it, but they can't, then nobody's like really kind of giving them an opportunity or a chance or what would, what would your advice be if they want to break out into to a new field? So for people who are looking to transition industries, keep in mind that every industry has the same similar positions everywhere. So what I mean by that is tech has legal, marketing, sales, customer service, finance, accounting, et cetera. Um, healthcare has legal, marketing, sales. <laughs> Finance, 
all of the above. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Manufacturing has the same. So mm-hmm. it's not, don't focus on what you don't have. I would focus on what you do have, but you need to tell a story for a person such as myself, let's say in the talent acquisition space, who may not be familiar with that industry, make it clear to them that you do have the experience. Don't focus on like, well, I've, I've, you know, been a teacher all my life and now I want to get out of teaching, but I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, you can be a facilitator. You can be a corporate trainer. You, you mm-hmm. can be a recruiter. You could be um, an instructional designer. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. things that you could do, but how you tell your story convinces that next person to say, yeah, let me pick up the call, uh, pick up the phone, give this person a call and give them a chance. So first you have to believe that you belong there. If you don't believe it, how am I going to believe it? Right? right. And then secondly, you need to position yourself to continue to be the best investment for the next employer. Cause that's who they're trying to hire is the best investment. That doesn't mean that you need to be the most qualified. That just means you need to be the best investment. The one most willing to learn the one, the best communicator, whatever that may look like, yeah. but be, be willing to be that person. Believe in yourself when you're going into that, that space, because who you present is who I believe you to be. Being an, uh, an, a previous educator myself, I have, especially since 2020 and COVID and all that madness, I have seen so many teachers. I mean, we have a huge national teacher shortage a crisis. It's a crisis in general. Yeah. Um, but I have had so many of my own previous colleagues break out and stop teaching and mm-hmm. think, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, some of them I've helped with their resumes and things like that. And circling back to believing that you do belong in that space. Mm-hmm. So you do add value to that space. I have used so many of my um, skills that I have developed in the classroom outside and I'm a patient coordinator for a plastic surgery company now <laughs> like <laughs> but I've used so many of those skills that I was like oh my gosh this is like teaching all over again this is like you know I kind of go back to it because truly in essence you know I'm always going to be a teacher I'm mm-hmm. always wherever I am I could be like oh I could teach that real quick and you know it's like intuitive for me right so that's just so funny that you said, you said that because I, that's kind of like the same, not the same conversation, but very similar to kind of like, but you do belong there. Like what, look all the value you bring to this position, just, you know, and it's just really nice to see, um, the success they're, they're in this new space and just kind of allowing them to, to feel like, whew, my work isn't dragging me and <laughs> draining me. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, we see, we've seen it all the time. We've seen, I'm sure you have a lot of teacher friends or colleagues or what have you that have kind of had that same experience. And, um, it's relieving. I think it's going to be relieving for listeners and people to know that, you know, you can, you can definitely go into a different industry and still kill it. Right. I'm the queen of multiple jobs. I, um, I've had multiple careers. I'm 35 years old. And I'm, I don't say I'm really ashamed to, to say that per se, just because I know myself, mm-hmm. like I know myself, I've worked on myself, especially since 30 pods, especially since in these past five years, I know my strengths like nobody's business, but I also know my weaknesses too. Mm-hmm. And playing on my strengths, using my strengths and knowing you're a quick learner, you take direction well, and you're a great communicator. And I knew those three things. I'm like, I can take that anywhere mm-hmm. I can, I want, you know, just within, you know, being in education for as long as I was, and then, you know, going back into, you know, performing arts, but using so much of my teaching education skills into performing arts uh, and what I was doing as an arts administrator and, and doing that was just so invaluable. And then um, moving back here, I just thought, well, shit, I don't even know. I don't even know what I want to do. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> but I had, you know, I've like, I've been a bartender since I was 19. That was back when you could be a bartender in 19 in Florida, you know, like <laughs> I, you know, I've had things to, to fall back on. Thankfully I have those skills, but it's, it can be defeating when you consistently get no's and no's and no's. Mm-hmm. What would, 
what would be kind of your little tidbit or little rainbow in the, in the storm when people are continuously getting those? You're not alone. Yeah. A lot of people are getting that right now. A lot of people, uh, especially because of the, the space that we're in, where there are a lot of people who are being laid off yeah. and a lot of people who are, um, it, it's no secret, you know, every day there's another company that's laying off 10%, 20% of their workforce, yeah. you know, and these are not just, you know, underperforming people. These are just people. Yeah. So, um, you're not alone. Um, you just need a couple of good yeses and one yeah. good job. And yeah. there is a recruiter who's posing a position for you right now. And they're just waiting for you, waiting to find you. So there's a position out for you, out there for you. Absolutely. Have a solid resume, get your LinkedIn profile, start connecting with people, follow Coach Walina, listen to her lives. Um, <laughs> I am just so grateful that we have been able to have this interview, connect. I find what you bring to the world so valuable. And your conversations are not one note. They're, you know, your, your, viewers on your lives bring conversation too. So that's what, that's the, uh, the beautiful thing about social media. I mean, I, we can complain about it all day long. Um, and sometimes I'm like, Oh, I need a break, you know, but at the same time, it's so invaluable. I have met so many fantastic people through social media. I've learned, you know, so much through them. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on and giving me your time um, I, when we started, you have such a beautiful view when we started, it was like daylight and now it's yeah. <laughs> we watched the sunset today. Yeah. So basically together. together. <laughs> but I'm just so glad Brian, you know, told me, you know, he's like, follow my sister. And, and I was just like, okay. Like, and I was, just, <laughs> I was in it. I was hooked. You are teaching you're sharing. And a lot of times it's all about the sharing of the information that we all have, you know, everybody has something that brings so much value and you give people that platform. So kudos to you. You're doing it. Thank Be you. sure to follow. Um, can you tell them, you know, where they can follow you and your website or whatever? What, yeah. Where can so, they find you? Uh, my social media is uh, coach underscore Walina. The spelling will be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to schedule a one-on-one -on -one clarity session with me, where you want to kind of just like realign where the heck am I supposed to be going? Is this program possibly a fit for me? Go to coachwalina.com. You can schedule a 30 minute uh, clarity consultation with me and we'll get you together and get you, get you going. Um, and then you can catch me every day, Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern on Ladder Talk Live. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we do stream it live on YouTube or you can catch the replays on wherever you watch your podcasting. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Walina. I really appreciate it. I know 30 plus listeners will definitely really appreciate it. And of course, be sure to check her out. Thank you. Thank Have a good you. one. You too. Bye. Bye. 30